Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and in this episode, I was joined by the amazing Brooke Jeanette of 13 to discuss the beloved and problematic show from our youth, Gilmore Girls. Brooke has a bunch of very hot takes that I think you'll really enjoy, and we also had a great time talking wine. There are a lot of spoilers in this one, so be aware of that. And I also wanted to give a content warning for discussion of sexual assault, consent, and bodily autonomy, as well as discussion of homophobia and fatphobia, all of which are aspects of Gilmore Girls that are very problematic. If you've seen the show, then you probably know what we're talking about, but I did want to give you that heads up. Thank you to all of our patrons, and especially our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Rebecca Joy Henrietta White, Rachel Berman, and Michael Beck, all of whom I would grab a burger at Luke's Diner with. If you'd like to join these fabulous folks, come check us out at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can get access to all kinds of extras for as little as $1 a month. Before we dive in, I wanted to announce that a new audio drama that I'm in has debuted— Wolf Whistle is a show set in New York City in 1934, where two idealistic radio hosts battle shadowy forces for the soul of America. It's written, directed, and produced by Alex Bazis, and I play Eliza Astor, a character now near and dear to my heart. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and soon to be on most other podcatchers, so please give it a listen and subscribe. There are links to it in the show notes. Without further ado, here is episode 92, Gilmore Girls with Brooke Jeanette. I am so excited to welcome back to pairing the one and only Brooke Jeanette. Sorry, that was weird. I don't know why. I, I, I just, I, I had like a moment of, of like, wait, is it Jeanette or Janet? <laughs> and, you got and, it correct. That was amazing. I know. <laughs> I'm going to, let's leave it in. Let's leave it in. <laughs> it was just, I, you know, it's part of this, sorry, this is a sidebar. This is what we were just talking about. But part of this, um, like narration stuff I've been doing of reading all these articles with tons of names. I like have to look up how to pronounce everyone's name oh. and all these things. And then I just get in my head and I'm like, wait, did I look this up correctly? Is it, is that how you say it? Is that how you say it? So anyway, Brooke Jeanette, welcome back to pairing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. And oh my Yay. gosh. So I just want to say that our patrons are the best people in the world for 13, which is yes. the show that I work on. Yes. But, and they have some beautiful names. But yes. I have so much anxiety over pronouncing people's names correctly. Yes, absolutely. Me too. Um, the pairing the pairing patrons are also the greatest people in the world, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, co-tied for best people. And yes. I, 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 I really try to pronounce everybody's name correctly correctly. Because as someone with a very difficult to pronounce last name, I, I I always appreciate when people make the effort for me. And so I try to do that for other people as well. It's yeah. uh, it's really not that hard, but um, but sometimes it is. <laughs> but sometimes it's super hard. And just know that we did try and you can tell us we were wrong. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Always tell us we're wrong. We will fix it. 
I'm always happy to fix it. Um, so, Brooke, we are going to be talking about something completely different this time, um, which I'm very excited about because it is one of my favorite pieces of media entertainment, but I also have a lot of criticisms of it. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about Gilmore Girls. I am so excited to talk about Gilmore Girls. And yeah. I'm going to tell you two different uh, kind of like aspects mm. I have in my relationship to Gilmore Girls. I remember it yes. being on TV yes. when I was in high school, yep. and then I actually watched it for the first time in college. I actually had a very similar experience. Like, I watched a lot of it, because it was on, actually, yeah, when I was, when mostly when I was in high school. I think it started when I was in middle school, um, middle school, high school, and I watched it, like, kind of sporadically, like, I would see episodes, and then... My best friend was really into it, so I would watch with her sometimes, but I didn't watch it fully until, I think, until I was in college or just out of college. Um, mm-hmm. So so I have a similar relationship to it. I I remember I got so obsessed with it. This is the thing I do with everything. I just like yeah. have to consume it all, Yeah. Um, but then never finish it somehow. Although I, I have yeah. seen all of Gilmore <laughs> Girls, so this is going to be spoiler heavy. Yes. Oh, yes. Spoilers. Spoilers will abound in this in this episode. So I remember I was doing a theater practicum and I was like melting all of this PVC with a heat gun and I had my phone propped up and I was like watching Gilmore Girls as I was melting this PVC to make this production look like a plane had crashed into it. I was like just so invested. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, so my my experience, it's a show that I have seen all the way through now several times because um, I, I watched it by myself in, you know, when I was in my early 20s, whether that was college or or just after. And then I've watched it a couple times all the way through with Winston, my husband, and um, he he's a big fan, too. But every time I rewatch it, it's like it's like comfort food. Um, it mm-hmm. like makes me feel safe and like com- and comfy and warm and stuff like that. But like comfort food, like many comfort foods, um, you know, sometimes you like go back to your comfort food and you're like, oh, wow, like this little thing, this is actually pretty bad for me or like, <laughs> yes. or like, oh, wow, like I forgot that this tasted like this. And so that's how I feel about Gilmore Girls because every time I go back and rewatch, I'm like, oh, wow, there's a lot about this that is super problematic that I like so did, much. Not, did not have awareness of when I was first watching it because I also, um, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking so much. I'll, I'll, I'll shut up soon. But because I'm from a small New England town, I've, and, and like, my mom wasn't a single mom, but my parents were divorced and we spent more time with my mom. So I kind of like felt that kind of connection to it as well, mm-hmm. though I'm from Northampton, Massachusetts, which is super gay. And um, one of the problems with Gilmore Girls, at uh, at least the the uh, actual show itself, they sort of address it a little bit in the mm-hmm. in the Netflix A Year in the Life special. Um, but there's no gay people. <laughs> like they never well I mean obviously Michelle is gay but they never say it because it was the WB and they couldn't say it yeah. or something so that's problematic thing number one <laughs> mm-hmm. also Michelle is also the only character of color pretty much yeah he, so he's the double whammy 
Like, yeah. they got it all in with one character. It's like, wow, good job, Amy Sherman Palladino. Um, yes, and we do stand Amy Sherman Palladino in some we respects. Do. We do. I love her. I love her. I I think also it's almost worse that they retconned Michelle's sexuality. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rather than just, like, allowing him to be this more effeminate version of masculinity. Sure, sure. That's true. That's true. That's valid. I mean, either way, yes, representation in all forms, but, like, come on. <laughs> like, there are more yeah. people in – people in Stars Hollow are gay sure. whether they showed us or not. <laughs> absolutely. 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 No, that's very that's very valid. I – uh, I personally felt that it was a little bit uh, – it felt vindicating to me to to have yeah. him be out in in the Year in the Life special. And I think that kind of, you know, canon – you know, make it, making it canon was important for, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. But it's also, like, a little too little too late. And, yeah. And, um, and so that – that's uh, – I'm not sure if we'll get to the year in the life special because mm-hmm. there's there's all all sorts of issues with that. But um, yeah, I I actually enjoyed it. I know a lot I of people too. hated it, but I enjoyed it. I thought there were I thought it was weird in parts, but I thought there were parts of it that were really good. But let's let's try to get through the the main part of the show and um and see and see where we're at. However, first thing I want to ask you is, what are you drinking? Okay, so I am drinking a Chinon. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Um, I love Chinon. And so I love Cab Franc. Me too. Across the board. And mm-hmm. I love Chinon. I mm-hmm. don't know. All I know about Chinon is that it is Cab Franc yep. and that it's some yep. kind of appellation of Cab Franc. Yep. It's um, it's in the Loire Valley and it's kind of the probably the most famous appellation for Cabernet Franc. And then is Palace like an estate or Palace is it is it how is it spelled? Domain P A L L U S. Oh yeah, yeah. Th- that that should be the winery. Yeah, Domain Palace. Yeah. And I in that may- case, I think I've had a couple from this winery. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, I don't think it sounds sort of familiar, but I don't think I've ever had mm-hmm. that one. But I love, love Chinons. I was supposed to be drinking a different wine than I am drinking, um, but uh, I I was going to be drinking a um, a pericone, which is a little obscure Italian grape from uh, one of my favorite winemakers, Marilena Barbera. Now this is where it gets confusing. Barbera is a grape, but her name is Bar- Barbera, but she doesn't make Barbera because she's in Sicily, so confusing there. Yeah. Um, that was very confusing when I was working with her wines, and it would be like sometimes, sometimes her wines would show up in the Barbera section, and it'd be like, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> but she's awesome. I've actually met her a couple times, and this wow. wine, I know, so fancy. But she's like super down to earth, really cool lady. And um, however, I was, uh, I just tasted the the wine last night. Cause I I I don't think I've ever had that grape before, Pericone. If I if I have, I've forgotten I've forgotten it. But it's really interesting. Um, it's it's very it's not like super tannic, but it but it almost tastes like it's been made from raisinated grapes, kind of like you get in Amarone. So it's got that very mm-hmm. like almost raisiny quality to it, which is why I'm not drinking it right now because it's that's like a, an intense flavor to have like first thing. 
But I was thinking about that. And as I was drinking it, I think you'll appreciate this. I was like, I think Miss Patty would dig this wine. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Patty only drinks port out of tiny glasses. Yes. Oh, my God. She absolutely does. She absolutely does. Um, But I think she would make an exception for this wine. (laughs) Yes. She would be like, it's port-like. It is port-like. It is. Yeah. Which brings me to, I think, part of the charm of Gilmore Girls, the, the continual charm of it are the incidental characters of the town. Mm-hmm. So you've got, like, Miss Patty, Babette, um, Kirk, though Kirk becomes, like, a very big character. In yeah. The, yeah, he's he becomes a series regular. Taylor, though Taylor sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but like, he, he brings a certain charm to it. And just, like, the way those characters show up throughout the series is, um, I think, really fun and part of the, you know, creating the New England quaint town charming experience. Yeah, I mean, all the charm comes from the fact that they put up with each other's idiosyncrasies because they love each other and Mm -hmm. they want to keep being in community together, which is what small towns are. Yes, absolutely. No, that's that's totally true. And it really does capture that in a, you know, sometimes over the top or comical way, but but always kind of always authentic, always with love, yeah. I would say. I would say. Okay. So let's see. Where to start? Okay. Here here's where I um I think I want to start cuz you said you have a lot of hot takes. I do. And I'm very excited to hear all of them. <laughs> um but here's a question. How do you feel about Rory's love interests because i feel like this is this is a hotly debated topic i i don't have as many hot takes about roy's love interests however that's great they do all kind of wrap back around to roy's love interests okay so, great i mean use this Ro- as a jumping off point to 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 some hot say takes. whatever yes for some hot takes yeah so rory like is just a teenage girl. Like, that's all she's doing. She is just dating boys who are nothing. Um, This is not a hot take. This is a cold take. This is a cold hard fact. (laughs) Dean is the most toxic boy she dates. Dean is the most dangerous. See, I I, I have heard people say that. I (laughs) am not sure that I agree. Okay. But uh, but but we can we can circle back to that. I think they're all toxic in their own way. And I I don't like any of them at, at this point. <laughs> at the, I mean, there's things about each of them that I like. But, like, I mean, I will say when I first watched the show, I was absolutely Team Jess. Yes. Same. He's very, very much my type. However, you know, in rewatching it, he is also super shitty and manipulative, emotionally yes. manipulative. Also tries to sexually assault her at, yes. some, at one point. Really not great. Um, the way that Rory and Dean's relationship ends up because of how they bring him back is super shitty. Yeah. But I think, I think for the majority of their relationship in the first few seasons, he's just a pretty good boyfriend. And, um, but I'm happy for you to argue otherwise. Okay. My hottest take is that I think that Dean is always shitty. Okay, and I, I love think it. I love the it. moment that he really becomes horrible mm-hmm. is when he 
builds her a car, tells uh-huh. her he loves her, and when she doesn't say it back, breaks up with her and makes her feel like she's a bad oh, person. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, that is, that is super, <laughs> super shitty. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's a, that's a really bad look. That's a really bad look, Dean. And this is not a Rory Stan podcast. Like, we yeah, can yeah, <laughs> tear yeah. everyone down. I think everyone might be toxic. Except oh, yeah. I mean, Rory I ends up being shitty, take. too. Yeah. <laughs> My hot takes kind of unfold like this. Emily Gilmore is the best character in the show and I, I think maybe I arguably the best person. And yep. I will fight on that point. Yep. And yep. Lorelai might be the worst. Ooh. Wow. Okay. See, that's that's a super hot take. Yeah. That's a I, one. Yeah. Uh, I love this. I love this. Cause I um I I definitely think I'm on board with you with the Emily Gilmore situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like she's got some very, very bad, like conservative yes. views and stuff like that. But I think as a character and as someone who experiences growth and yes. uh, and in terms of how she relates to the people she loves, I do think she is the best character, absolutely. And yes. and maybe the best person in that sense also. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and she's just, I mean, cheers to Kelly Bishop. She's just Oh my a, God. Cheers a, to a, Kelly Bishop. Yeah. A, ch- a champion. A champion. And so my wine is actually kind of inspired by mm-hmm. Emily Gilmore. And so I mm. will... I picked this wine. I was texting you, and I told you I picked it for Rory, and that yeah. is true. Yeah. But I picked it as a representation of Emily and Rory's love for each other. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Emily is going to be the first person that Rory really drinks wine with. Yeah. She's oh, going yeah. to be 21 and in Paris, and I think that Emily probably loves Cabernet Franc because she's interesting, but she's still classic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think you're right, because I was thinking about Emily, like what wine to pair for Emily. And at first I was thinking, oh, well, she's rich, she's snobby, and she's got like the whole, you know, you know, like Daughters of the American Revolution waspy thing going oh, yeah. on. But um, which I that's one of the things I love the most in the year in mm-hmm. the life, how they deal with with her with her growth there. Um, but I don't think she's like a California Chardonnay drinker. No. I, I think she's I think she's got a very refined palate. I, I agree with you. I think she goes for French wines. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking because one of the things we were talking about for a separate a separate thing, um, but we were talking about some uh, awesome women winemakers. And and so I was thinking about you know, since this is Gilmore Girls, I was thinking about, you know, s- some of those awesome women winemakers. And I think that Emily would really like the wines of this um, Chateauneuf de Pop producer. Yes. Um, her name is, oh gosh, I think it's, my French is non-existent, but um, Anne Charlotte Melias or Melia, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but she... It sounds beautiful either way. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um, and she is a, a winemaker in in Chateauneuf de Pop, and she the name of her winery is Le Fond de Loup, which I believe is the Fountain of the Wolf. Oh. Um, and I think that Emily would just like whenever she goes to to France, you know, she takes a trip. They take a day trip down to the Rhone Valley, and that's probably a long day trip from Paris, but. Um, they do it. They, they make it work. They, they make it work. They make it work. And I think she would she would really like those wines and would really like uh, Anne Charlotte, who's also and I think, very cool. 
Yeah, she would also really like sharing this powerful woman with her granddaughter who, for all of her flaws, one of Emily, like a flaw that you cannot give to Emily is that she does not want the women in her life to succeed. Yes. And in more than marriage and family. Yes. Like that is definitely something she views as a success. I mean, she she sees marriage as something that's successful, but I think she does also grow and change. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. No, she has that very traditional. She remi- she actually I'm very fond of Emily because she reminds me a lot of my grandmother who I felt like always felt like she was kind of living vicariously through me mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, not in a, not in like in a weird or toxic way, but just like I have, I had opportunities that she did not have. Yes. Um, she had to deal with expectations that I did not have to deal with. And, and they have sort of similar personalities. Um, if, yeah. <laughs> if Emily, if Emily were Jewish, then they'd, they'd have very similar personalities to my, to my grandmother. But, um, <laughs> yeah. And so I have, I have a lot of fondness for her. And I think it's really true that I, I was just talking with Winston about this, about how I really don't like the arc or the arcs, the story arcs of many of the characters. But yeah. I do really like Emily and Richards, I would say. Yes. And that makes me, I have a question for you. Because yes. I have a, a surefire answer to this question. Yes. Who is the character do you think that you think Amy Sherman Palladino did the dirtiest? Lane. It's Lane. Yeah, it's Lane. I was just I was just talking about this with Winston. It's actually like it makes me mad how dirty they did Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, like I get it, I get what they were going for. But first of all, talking about like terrible men, uh, and, like toxic men, Zach is the worst. He's terrible. Yes. He's the worst. And like. Lane's story is so sad <laughs> because it it's is awful. It's awful. And like, I, I feel like they just kind of put her like at a certain point decided that Lane wasn't an important character anymore. And they were like, oh, it'll be funny if we have her, you know, get married, have sex once and then have twins. That'll be hilarious. And it's not. It's not. I don't. I don't think it's funny at all. I think it's I think it's very sad for her for everything that Lane wants in her life. It is so sad and it doesn't make any sense yeah. because yeah. I think the story is so Rory centric and obviously yes. and that's yeah. fine, but then the writing becomes Rory centric in this really self-serving way that doesn't fly. Cuz we were talking earlier about Michelle, yeah. but Lane is also of course like Lane and her mother, they are these characters of color in this world that is so blue-eyed, like, daughter of our town-centric. Right. Lane is so much more interesting, and she is such a better friend to Rory than Rory is to her. Yes. Yes. Like, Like they had to get rid of her because it made Rory look bad. (laughs) Yeah. Rory was so mean to her and not there for her. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. And I think that's one of the first signs because like it's sort of around like season five. Basically, when she starts dating Logan um, is when Rory starts becoming a terrible person. And 
while I have appreciation, some appreciation for Logan as a character, mm-hmm. I just hate him so much. Like, <laughs> I don't like not not uh, like yeah. not like not like actually hate him. It's just like that mm-hmm. type of that type of person. Like, I know some of those types of people. Yeah, and I actually think he's like a fairly well written character. But I'm at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, boo-hoo, like your dad has expectations for you and, yeah. you're, filth- and you're filthy rich. Boo-hoo. I mean, that's basically like yeah. the, the general takeaway <laughs> from all of Gilmore Girls is mm-hmm. that all, all of the struggles are so like first world white people problems. It's and, unreal yeah, how first it really world they are. Is. The, the best part about Logan is that I do think that he is the most appropriate match for Rory. Yeah. I do think that he is what she deserves. Uh-huh. And he also tells her, like, the truth. None of these yeah. other boys do. And when she's like, I'm just, like, struggling, he's like, dude, your name is on a building at this college. Yeah. Multiple buildings. You are yeah. you are fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that. Um, I think just, like, from a story perspective, and I think you're right. Like, he, he does make the most sense for her. But it's it's really disappointing to me that, like, she becomes more – she tends more towards that lifestyle as yeah. the show goes on. And, yes, I mean, I mean, <laughs> the, the conflict ends up being, like, oh, there's Gilmore Rich and then there's Huntsberger Rich. And it's, like <laughs> – and it's, like, okay – Wow, these are the these are the stakes we're dealing with. <laughs> it's so funny that those are the stakes we're dealing with because they're not the yeah. stakes we start with, and that's why we love them. Yes, yes, exactly. And then you know, to offset that, you have. I mean, Lorelai. We never really see her struggling. It's mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned that she sort of struggled for a little bit, but. Not really. Like she owns like a five bedroom house. Yeah, in she's this like nice town. She's fine. She's <laughs> fine. Like like she had a baby young. I mean, nobody made her have that baby. I mean, no. I, that's that's a different rant I have. Mm-hmm. But um, but basically, that's another thing. Like in on rewatching the show, I'm like, I don't feel bad for Lorelai. I don't. I just don't. No, and. So, uh, so this head... will circle back to your to your uh, hottest of takes that Lorelai is the worst. So the reason that I think Lorelai is the worst is because of a mm. full on headcanon I have. Okay, okay. Based Let's on the way it. she behaves. Yeah. So there's like moments throughout the show where I really don't care for her. Like she's super gender normative. She's really into yes. girls and boys and masculinity and femininity and like all of these ways that are like. Really aggro and super yeah. weird. Yeah, I was gonna say she's also super fat phobic. Um, that's she something is super fat phobic. That's that's one thing that really really bothers me. Um, she's not the only character on the show that expresses mm-hmm. that, but um, that's one thing. Upon rewatching it more, I'm like, oh wow, this is problematic. She is problematic in so many ways and mm-hmm. so self serving and so. My hot take that as the daughter of Emily, a character who does grow, and as a person whose yeah. entire platform is not growing, like I yeah. won't change, I won't compromise myself for you, not even for the sake of my daughter who I allegedly sacrificed my life for. I'm using air yeah. quotes for those of you at home. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> she treats Rory like a little doll, like a little carbon yeah. copy. She treats Rory like what she is, Lorelai Jr. Yeah. And I believe 
that the actual true best match for Rory, if she were to like grow up and be like this good, better person, and the reason that we don't really see that in a year in the life is because yeah. her best match is Paris. Yes. And yes. <laughs> I don't think that Lorelai would accept it. So my headcanon yeah. is that Lorelai is actually a super conservative Trump supporter who Whoa. does not support Whoa. her gay daughter. Whoa. <laughs> That's my hot Crazy. Whoa. Okay. I'm not sure if I would go so far as Trump supporter, but I do think you're right in that anytime something difficult happens with Rory or Rory does anything like slightly wrong, Lorelai handles it terribly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terribly. And I do like this headcanon that maybe Rory is gay and um and can't tell her mom. I I yeah. um I do like that. I do like that. Um that that would make me like Rory a lot more. <laughs> My headcanon based on Alexis Bledel's acting in a year in the life, I feel like yeah. it's so supportive. I'm like yeah. there's this moment where she's like just had sex with Logan and you're like, that didn't look like it was even fun. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, that's that's not it for you, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that probably because of the strife that she and Lorelai went through, you know, like when she went to travel with her grandma and all these things and all these ways her mom hits her against her own family. Yeah. I don't think that Rory probably admits to herself that she's gay. Yeah. No, I think, I think you could be, I could be, you could be totally right. I, um, I would definitely, definitely buy that, that explanation or that headcanon. And I actually, I like it. Hi, future Emma here. I just wanted to clarify that I don't necessarily totally agree with Brooke that Lorelai is a super conservative Trump supporter who wouldn't support Rory if she came out. But I definitely buy the headcanon wherein Rory might be afraid to or might not come out to her mom because of how badly Lorelai handles it whenever Rory does something not perfect. And there's definitely a lot of gender normative and even homophobic writing in Lorelai's character. So anyway, I just wanted to clarify that. Back to the hot takes. I know a lot of people <laughs> ship ship Rory in Paris. And it's funny because you know how we were saying like they just kind of get rid of Lane at a certain yes. point. It's because Paris and Rory is a much more balanced relationship in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. I mean there's ups and downs and, <laughs> and for sure toxic elements of it but um but they they they're the only constant in each other's lives for 7 years so yeah um and i definitely think paris is gay definitely like paris i is gay <laughs> yeah yeah she absolutely is she absolutely is um but yeah okay let me let me take a quick look at some wine stuff here cuz i oh yes okay so um so we were just talking about we were just talking about this um i will say okay i'm not sure that i'm a 100% on board of the lorelei being the worst character in the show but you've made a very compelling argument and i and i do think that she is in a lot of ways not a great mother and is always driven by her own ego, even Mm -hmm. if she thinks she's not. Um, Okay, so I have a a question for you after that. But um, before we do that, okay, I was just thinking about some of these other awesome lady winemakers. I thought that that Lorelai would like the wines of Jules Taylor, um, who is a New Zealand... 
a New Zealand winemaker whom I whom I also love. And what I will say is I do really enjoy like Lorelai's wit and oh yeah and and like I mean the writing and Lauren Graham does a great job like whether oh, or not so wh- whether or not you you like the character I think uh, she's she does a really great job and um, and there's something I I have also met Jules Taylor and she's super awesome and also like has that kind of like cool mom vibe mm-hmm. and um, and so I thought that you know if if Rory and Lorelai had gone down to New Zealand instead of going to Europe on their little yes. their little backpacking trip they would totally have hit up Jules Taylor winery and Lorelai and Jules would just have like really hit it off I think which they should have done instead that would have been a much better geography for them <sighs> oh man I yeah I think so uh, this is a sidebar but uh, when Winston and I were deciding where to go on our honeymoon, it was either Europe or New Zealand. And mm. Winston hadn't been to Spain and Italy. And so I was like, oh, you gotta go. We gotta go. But next time, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Next um, I, marriage. Between next the two marriage. <laughs> yes. Yes. That You get to do that, right? You get to have a yeah. new marriage every People so do often. That. Yeah, totally. Well, there's the vow renewal, like uh, Emily and Richard go do. And I was just thinking, I'm like, I'm pretty sure they do a vow renewal on the show. Like, it's they all do. coming up Gilmore. They do. Yes, it's all it's all related. It's all related. Yes, but there there's the vow renewal, and that's a very dramatic episode because Christopher causes a scene. Or no, yes, Emily has asked Christopher to come so that he'll yeah. sweep Lorelai off her feet. Um, because she's we with don't Luke. love that from our queen Emily. That was not a good move. <laughs> no, she makes some bad choices. She definitely makes some bad choices. Nobody on this show is like perfect. Um, no, which is which is good. Uh, nobody should be. But this brings me to my my other question, um, which is, what are your feelings on Luke? Okay. Yeah. So I would like to preface my feelings on Luke by mm-hmm. saying that I don't think that Lorelai is the worst character by herself. I think she and Christopher are both the worst character. Um, mm, Christopher mm. is horrible. So yes. I don't want anyone to mistake me as a Christopher stan. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree objectively. He is a horrible person. Well, I don't know. Th- I don't think he's a horrible person. I think he's also a really, really selfish person. And you yeah. see moments of him trying not to be. And I mm-hmm. appreciate that. And I kind of appreciate the complicated relationship that the two of them have. Mm-hmm. However, I am like never on team uh, Lorelai and Christopher should get back together. Never. Never. It's they're like literally married. And I'm like, I hate this. This is yeah. a terrible idea. <laughs> it doesn't and last do, long. Yeah. <laughs> they feed into each other. And I yeah. will say that in my head canon, I bet that Christopher is very supportive of his gay daughter. Mm-hmm. I will say that mm-hmm. for him. I do think so. I think I think what one thing you'll say for Christopher is that he does love Rory unconditionally and yeah. um may not show up for her in the way that she always needs, but I think he wants to. I mean And that's a parenting dynamic that happens, right? Like abso- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Lorelai provides for Rory and loses out on some of the unconditional love that Christopher has. Yeah, probably. So we'll give them both some points. Yeah. Um yeah. I forgot your question. <laughs> My question is, how do you feel about Luke? Luke. So I love Luke. 
Yeah. I do. Okay. Okay, good. Okay, I'm such a Luke stan. I love Luke. I love him so much. And, you know, yes, he does obnoxious things from time to time. He also similarly is, like, very controlling um, Mm -hmm. and and thinks he knows best about everything. But um, he, he is, in many ways, like... I feel like the only real, like, true representation of a working class character, mm-hmm. um, uh, even though still a very privileged working class person. But um, yeah, but you get the sense that he has actually worked hard for what he has, and um, and really cares deeply about the people in his life in his in his own way, and takes care of them in a a really loving way. I think that is so true. And I think that Luke does have his own issues. Again, nobody in the show is perfect, but in my headcanon, where Lorelai is, if not a Trump supporter, at least an Um, anti-vaxxer. She she definitely (laughs) could be that. She definitely could be that. Because there's a lot of like hippy-dippy, and I say this with love because I know a lot of them, Mm -hmm. uh, hippy-dippy like liberal people in uh-huh. New England but who are like so hippie that they're like anti-vax and you like lean into this bad yeah it's like a bad situation anti-vax really into the divine feminine afraid of gay people yeah. there's a lot that goes there yes yes absolutely um <laughs> so all of that to say I think that the best thing about Luke is that he loves people yeah for who they are and, like, I think sees their potential to a fault for mm-hmm. himself and them. Yeah. And sometimes that leads to relationships like what he has with Jess, which ultimately pays yeah. off for Jess. Yeah, Like, at the end of absolutely. the day, Jess, I think, is one of the best characters and one of the people who grows the most. Yes, definitely. I, I, wish, we, I wish we saw more of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like, you can't. I mean, they they made choices. Like we see Jess come back a little bit in the show and um and and you see how he's grown up. And see that's my feeling if if we're not going with the headcanon that Rory is gay, but she could be bi. She's complicated. She's got her own thing going on. She's complicated, yeah. Um so so within that world, um, I think that, you know, Jess ten years later and Rory ten years later is a good match. At the time yeah. that they were together, he's like very traumatized and volatile and not a very supportive partner. Um, or yeah. and thus their relationship is not very healthy. But I think once he's grown up, that's mm-hmm. that's the relationship for Rory that I stand, if not Paris. Obviously Paris first. Yeah. But. I think it might be reasonable to say that nobody has a partner at 15. You just start yeah, 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 like yeah. throwing yeah. yourselves at no, each other totally. and being awful. <laughs> totally. I mean, that's the other thing about this show is like, you know, when I watched it the first time, I was like still young enough that I was really invested in Rory's relationships. Now when I watch it, I'm like, oh, you're babies. <laughs> like, yeah. you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> They're so young. And I think that I do love in the year in the life. That as much as I am a Jess girl as well, that they are just friends and he respects her and she respects him. Yes. I feel like Rory has a really hard time respecting men and same. It is a struggle every day. Yeah. It's tough. It's hard. (laughs) I love that they have that. I think that's so beautiful, their friendship. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, It is. And though you get the sense that 
at least he probably still harbors some feelings for her. He knows she's gay because he knows her better yeah. than her other yeah. partners. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And that's the other thing with the, the year in the life with her whole affair with Logan. Um, I mean, I have to say, I actually... I. I actually like that. I actually like yeah. that choice that that they're not like together but having an affair cuz like mm-hmm. people are complicated. Like yes. you know, and and you're allowed to make bad choices and and not be like written off as a person. That's not my issue with Rory actually. Yeah, no, me either. Yeah, I I think I think there's like room for forgiveness there. But um, and I think that their relationship, it kind of makes sense that it would end up there. I think so, too. And I don't think that women should be the moral compass of like our society. She shouldn't. I mean, she's not she's not really the one having the affair. He is. Yeah, absolutely. She's single. Uh, No, she isn't. That's no, okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> I so just forgot about that. That guy. that is that is the one joke that I actually that I will fault her for is that she's terrible. To, I think his name is Paul, and I that's can't a, believe you remember his name. I I I uh I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> but we just, like we feel for Paul. I feel for Paul. I really do. And like. Maybe it's a funny joke the first in the first scene that they do it where he comes to dinner and they're like, "Oh, we forgot we forgot you were coming and everything about you." Okay, like that okay, one one joke, but it like continues throughout the whole year. I'm like, "This yes. poor boy, set him free." <laughs> like like he's, I just <laughs> he seems nice enough. <laughs> I just walked into my own recon confirmation that Rory and Logan are the same, mm, <laughs> which mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. I think, a direct mirror to Lorelai and Christopher being the same yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, I think I think that's really true. And I think there's actually a lot of similarities between between those relationships. And I think that was on purpose um, somewhat, you know, to compare Logan to Christopher mm-hmm. and, and Rory to her mom in a way in that or at least to them as as younger people. Um, okay, one thing I will say, I think the best, uh, at least boy character, like young younger man character, is oh my god, what's his name? Dave Dave Grigowski. Oh my god. Lane's Lane's first boyfriend. Yes. He's so good. He's so good. And I know he He's left because so cause Adam Brody got cast on like the OC or something. But he he was who Lane deserved. And he was who Lane deserved. And if Lane had had a one baby, first of all. Yes, just not one. Tw- if she had had one baby with him, he would have supported her and oh been a God. partner. And they would have moved forward. And also, like, I just have to say this, justice for Lane's sex life. Yes. I am tired of this narrative. That is disgusting to me. I'm so upset. Yes. No, I again, everything about everything about Lane's story like post season 5, like basically once once she and Zach start dating is terrible. Like mm-hmm. like okay, like like if she decides that she doesn't want to have sex before marriage, like that's fine. Like that's a choice mm-hmm. that you can make. I don't believe it. For Lane, mm-hmm. I think I think the writers forced that on her. Yes, um, I agree. But but like that's a thing. We'll respect that. But then they get married, and she has sex once and hates it and gets pregnant from it. What a horrible 
narrative. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a unlikely, <laughs> and uh, just just uh, yes, justice for Lane, sex life, justice for Lane. Hey there, everyone. Emma here. I just wanted to interject um, because as I was editing this, I it occurred to me that if they had wanted to, Lane could have actually been a really cool representation of an asexual character. But I don't think that's what the writers were going for here. I think they just thought it would be funny if they turned this awesome, rebellious teenage young woman into her more repressed mother. Um, and also, uh, because I didn't say this later, I uh, I wanted to say that I, I that Lane would absolutely buy uh, the Caduceus wines, which are the wines that Tool makes, the rock star Tool. Um, she would absolutely 100% drink those wines. Anyway, good for her. Back to the show. Pour one out for Lane. She deserves... One, so we're all pouring one out for Lane. Yeah. And also, don't you dare try to convince me that Lane, the smart, like, amazing musician girl who, yeah. like, tricks her mom for years and follows her dreams didn't grow up with the daughter of a 16-year-old single mom and know how safe sex works. Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It, it, she becomes, they, like, make her almost like a caricature character at yes. a certain point. And it's just really, really upsetting. It's really upsetting. And she deserved better. She deserved Lane better. deserved better. Okay. I didn't, I didn't plan a wine pairing for Lane. So let's let's come up with one for her because she deserves so much better. I think Lane comes back in her 40s. So we need something that's like yeah. a volcanic or something like, Ooh. like a re-rising. Ooh, yeah. I like that. I like that. The other thing, what first came to mind was like was maybe like a sparkling wine or something. Ooh. Like this is sort of obscure, but um, – she could be like a Chacolí, which is uh, northern Spain, northern Spanish mm. wine. So um, like around San Sebastián, like a Basque country up there. Um, and it's a white wine that has a little bit of effervescence. It's basically like drier vino verde with more acidity Ooh. to it. I feel like Lane would, would dig a Chacolí. That feels like Lane. Yeah. Like, because she's got that spark to her, um, but Mm -hmm. she's bright. She's got an edge to her. I think think that's a – I feel good about that one. It's not necessarily, like, volcanic, but, like, we were talking about Mount Etna in Sicily recently. Mm -hmm. She could also be, like, an Etna Rosso, like a Norella Mascalese or something like that because those wines rock. Those are are rock star wines. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> and Lane contains multitudes. Like she Lane does. is all of these things. Yes, absolutely. Ugh, justice for Lane. Justice so for Lane. I, so I'm sad. like my new headcanon for Lane is that like yeah, she and Zach or whatever his name is become like successful co-parents, even though he's nothing. And then she yeah. like marries a winemaker and is a rock star and like just this yes. wonderful mom who tours the world. Yes, and she wears I want clogs. That for her. Clogs for Lane. Yes, clogs for Lane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, yeah, I um I want that. I want that for her. I like that. I like that for her too. And I like that I like the idea that she and Zach end up I think his name is Zach. End up being We're just trying our best. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's his name. I really like that actor. He's um 
this is a sidebar. He plays Terry in True Blood. The like, oh my god, that the guy. Is, oh my yeah, god. the guy with PTSD. I think he's a great actor. Like I, I, I have nothing against him. It's just the character sucks so much. Like I was so excited about you bringing him up that I like clipped the mic with my nail. So expect yes. that. Yes, I can't wait. We'll keep it in. We'll keep it in. Mike, ex- <laughs> Mike, excitement. Yes. So he's great, but um, but not but not the character. Okay, who else? Who have we not talked about? I mean, we haven't talked. Well, we haven't talked really enough about Suki. I don't think mm, anyone ever talks mm, enough about mm-hmm. Suki. Yes, agreed, agreed. I mean, Suki is amazing. Suki, mm-hmm. if if Lorelai's the worst character, I think Suki might be the best character. <laughs> I agree. Like Lane might be the mirror for that, right? Like this yeah. great friend who just is friends with this awful, horrible Gilmore girl who is always yeah. terrible to her. <laughs> yeah. No, pretty much. Pretty much. I think there's a little more reciprocity in Lorelai and Suki's mm-hmm. relationship because, like, they are adults, at least. Yes. And and Lorelai is an adult and does occasionally show up for her. But, sure. Um, but, yeah, Suki's great. Oh, wait. Okay. But this does bring me to, I think, maybe the most problematic thing that happens on the show. Maybe. Okay. Which is that Suki forces Jackson to get a vasectomy right after she has their second kid and and then this continue it continue it's like a it's like a big big whirlpool of bad things so she forces him to have a vasectomy which is not okay you can't force no. someone to no. do that to their body you can't you can't make that decision for someone you have to have a conversation but it's very much not a conversation she has a baby and is like okay now you're getting a vasectomy bye Turns out he didn't get the vasectomy and didn't tell her. That's also something you can't do. Yes. You, you, there's, there's all sorts of issues with consent and bodily autonomy in their relationship. And it's like played off as a joke. And yes. it's not funny. It isn't. You're so right. That aside, <laughs> that aside, that's one of the biggest things that like on first watch, I think I was like, ha 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 ha. And then on, on, like second or third watch was like oh my god that is so awful it is amazing the jokes we make about people forcing other people to have children against their will like it it is so present in media from this time and it is really I think a reflection of writing and like the kinds of things we thought were funny Mm -hmm. and hopefully not a reflection as much so like the reason we think it's funny is because it's a validation of the things that we did in this yes. like less progressive society. Yeah. But it's like okay to not validate things and still be like products or perpetrators of them. Yes. Like, we can all just like agree that we should not be behaving that way. I absolutely I absolutely agree. However, that incident aside, that mm-hmm. that that ch- choice <laughs> that the writers made aside, Suki is an amazing character, and obviously Melissa McCarthy is a legend. And I think that it's one of Melissa McCarthy's most unsung and best roles. Melissa McCarthy yeah. walks through Hollywood not being appreciated for how talented she is. Yes. She is literally. Everyone in Bridesmaids is fantastic, but Melissa McCarthy is a revelation. Yes. I, I know she, she plays is. this character that is so unbelievably gold. Yes. Yes. I think she she did get nominated for Best Supporting Actress for that. Yes. I think. So at least she was recognized for for how amazing that was. But I think she is consistently 
just a top-notch performer and yes. um and is absolutely hilarious but you're right but like plays suki with such authenticity and and honesty in a way that i'm not sure you get from all of the other characters because because so many of these characters are almost cartoonish um yeah because they're like kind of written poorly yeah so like yeah it's okay that everyone can't be like on the god tier that Melissa McCarthy is. They should yeah, be given absolutely. a little bit better material to work with. Absolutely. But I think a different actor in that role would not have made like that character work so well. <laughs> I don't know why my first thought was Jane Lynch. <laughs> but honestly, now I want to see it. Um, okay. I kind of think Jane Lynch would have worked. But yeah, would have been, been totally so different. Totally different. Um, fun fact: um, Have you seen the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? I've seen a little bit of it. Yeah, like the okay. first season. Okay, so uh, I think her name is Susie. You know the um, she's yes. the one. So Alex Borstein is that actor, and she she's actually in the very beginning of Gilmore Girls, but she was supposed to be Suki, I believe. The one is she the harpist? Yes, she's the harpist. Oh, I and she's love great. The harpist. I know. I wish they kept the harpist. Like, I'm I'm glad that Melissa McCarthy is Suki, but I wish they'd kept Alex Borstein as, <laughs> as I uh, the harpist. <laughs> don't know how to tell TV shows this, but you can have more than, like, three fat characters. Yes. Like, yes. that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Well, and see, this is part of my problem, and, I, and I'm sorry I, I keep harping on this, but... No, it harp really, away. It, it, harp. Really, it really does bother me, you know, the joke that Lorelai and Rory, like, eat so much, but they're so hot and skinny. Mm-hmm. And then they turn around and have all this fat phobia, but never is it mentioned that Suki is a fat character. You know, yes. like, like it's like Lorelai is just making fat jokes all the time while her best friend is a fat person. And, mm-hmm. and it's never, like, that would be something that Suki would bring up with her. I think. <laughs> I agree. I think it's so funny that like the writer's choice was it's progressive because she's in on the joke or like we don't treat her like she's fat. Being fat is not bad. No, like, it's that's not the, bad. That's the exactly. 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 And it's like this this uh little cognitive dissonance within the show that really, really bothers me. And that's very much a product of the time. Yeah. And, I mean, you can say that about a lot of things on the show, but that doesn't excuse it. And It doesn't. I also stand Suki, except for her, Ugh. except for the, you know, forced vasectomy thing. That's Except okay. for the forced vasectomy. And then, like, we also stand <laughs> – what is her husband's name? Why am I – Jackson. Jackson. We stand Jackson except for, like, that thing he did. Yes. I yes. love their relationship, actually, Me other too. than those things. I think they're so yes. cute. I mean, like – the best enemies to lovers that I have ever seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it so much. And it, and it, like we were saying with Lane, it's like at a certain point, I feel like the writers like made certain choices for characters to like create drama or something. Yeah. And but with both Lane's story and the Suki and Jackson thing, it's really upsetting stuff that they just kind of make light of and toss aside and yeah. doesn't feel in character for any of them. And so that's 
that's one of my my big my big gripes about the show. But I wonder if that was a thing. I don't know how you would feel about this, but like did shows that were syndicated on networks, mm. I feel like this is true because they were existing in a like pre-Netflix era. Mm. They felt like they could gaslight their viewers into drama that wasn't actually character driven because Maybe. their viewers couldn't go back and rewatch it as easily. And they weren't binging it all at once. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. I think that's maybe harder to do. That's not to say that it doesn't happen now with shows on like Netflix and Hulu and stuff. Like like at a certain point, if you're syndicated and you're running out of storylines, mm-hmm. like you're going to make some bad decisions. Um, that's capitalism for you. But I think you're right. That probably has a little bit of an effect or had an effect on shows like that which were unless you bought it on DVD you weren't yeah. you weren't going to be like rewatching it you you didn't have the easy access to rewatching it and n- noting the like disconnects so for suki um since i'm i'm kind of going on this like lady winemaker tour for suki i'm going to give her the the lady winemaker who i talk about the most probably who is angela osborne who is actually from New Zealand, but makes wine in California, in Santa Barbara, and she works almost exclusively with Grenache. Um, And have you met her? Yes, I have. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is how I know a lot of these winemakers. Not all of them, but because at the the wine store I worked at in Boulder, um, a lot of winemakers would come through. That's amazing. And we'd get to like pour wine with them for a night um which was which was super awesome um because my boss was a master sommelier so he kind of like mm-hmm. attracted all these people so that was that was really cool um, i haven't met all of them but i i did meet her very briefly i think i think we just like did a tasting with her and so i didn't get to like spend a lot of time with her but she was super cool her wines are superb and part of why i chose her for suki is because suki is this amazing chef and a lot of angela osborne's wines are like super food friendly because she works mostly with grenache which is a really food friendly grape so she makes rosé and red wines um and but they they're like really versatile and so i think suki would really appreciate angela osborne's wines to pair with her gourmet food i love that that's my my headcanon for them <laughs> my headcanon is that suki like was only into italian wine and would only let her food be Ooh, served with italian yes. wine until yeah. she met angela osborne and then she yes. was like okay you've changed me okay yes i i don't know if you remember this this might even be in the first season but there's an episode where she's like really upset because a food critic comes and like gives her yes. a glowing yeah. review <laughs> except he like says her risotto is fine and she shows up at his house she shows up at his house she figured out that he paired the wrong wine with the risotto and so she shows up at his house with the risotto and a different kind of wine <laughs> and mm-hmm. i love that commitment from her <laughs> it's the accidental canon that suki is even better than we think she is. Yes. Yes. She is. She truly is. She truly is. I do relate to Lorelai and Suki's relationship a bit because um, I feel like their friendship is a lot like my friendship with my best friend, whose name is also Emma. Um, oh. But we, we like offset each other nicely. Like I'm, I'm more the Lorelai in that situation 
where like if we went into business together, like I'd probably be like the business manager and like mm-hmm. not to say that Emma isn't organized, but she's she's kind of got some Suki energy to her where she's got like mm-hmm. the inspiration and she goes and does the thing. I'm definitely then, the Suki of it all. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, it's much more fun. It's better to be the Suki. I am trying to be more like Suki in my life because it's not it's less joyful to be a Lorelai. <laughs> but we need the Lorelai's. Yeah, we yeah, we need the Lorelai's. We need the Lorelai's who are, you know, more supportive of their gay daughters. <laughs> and get vaccinated. And get vaccinated, yes. <laughs> I'm not anti-vax. I need to clarify okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> the Emily Gilmore's of it all. Yes. That's what we need. Yes. Honestly, Lorelai, yes. get out of here. We've got Emily. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Emily would definitely be get vaccinated because she – Yes. Yeah. And be the business side. She'd be like, I'm old. What, yeah. There's literally, what are you talking about? Yeah. She also, I mean, she reminds me both of my grandmother and my mother-in-law. Um, and my mother-in-law literally, like, this whole t- throughout all of COVID has been, like, like once the vaccine was released, she was like, I'm going to call the doctor's office and make sure that you get your vaccine right away, Emma. And I was like... I shouldn't though, because like at the at the time at the time there was like a limited amount, or we thought there was a limited amount. I was mm-hmm. like, I am just sitting around at home most of the time, and I'm fairly healthy, and I'm in my thirties. I'm okay. <laughs> Why don't we get the immunocompromised and older people first? Thank you very much. But uh, Emily Gilmore would totally do the same thing. Like in the era of COVID, she'd be like, Rory, I got you a, an appointment for your vaccine. And- <laughs> yes. She'd be like giving her the shot in the house, and Rory would be like, Grandma, I shouldn't. She's like, Shh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's see. Okay. I gave, ooh, okay. So this this was the winemaker that you were drinking the other night. Or, or the winemaker whose wine you were drinking the other night. But also, yeah, I was drinking the winemaker you were drinking, herself. You yeah. were drinking her herself. <laughs> we'll save that for the True Blood episode. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but Ariana Okipinti, who is also a rock star winemaker. It's in, so good. Uh, her wines are so good. So, so I haven't good. reacted this way because I haven't known any of the winemakers. They're all so good. But I just know this one, and she's so good. I have not met Ariana Okipinti. I just know who she is. Um, Ariana, if you're listening, we would love to hang out. Yes. Hit us up. We will uh, – she can join us on our space shuttle when we go go to space. That's what I was thinking. We'll bring Okipinti wines. Yes. You're you're welcome. You're welcome, Ariana. Um, But I feel like her wines – I'm trying to think. Her wines could also work for Lane – because she's also super awesome and like a rock star. Um, but I also think her wines could work for Rory. They're mm-hmm. they're maybe too good for Rory. <laughs> but we want Rory to be better. Yes. Yes. In in the alternate reality of your head canon where Rory and Paris end up together. And they, they both also wear clogs and oh, have children together and are oh, happy. Oh, oh my God. Ariana Okipinti, let's give that to Paris. She, oh. she deserves she deserves an amazing wine. And, though um, I kind of want to pair. I can't think of, I, I don't know off the top of my head, a Portuguese. I probably can't think of any Portuguese winemakers off the top of my head. But um, I, I especially don't know if there are any, I mean, obviously there are women 
making wine in Portugal, but I can't think of them. But because uh, Paris's nanny, who is really her uh, her parental her figure, yeah. <laughs> is Portuguese, I feel like Paris also has an ap- appreciation of Portuguese wine. <laughs> I definitely – I like to think that they all, like, go on a trip to Portugal with their collective children. Yes, absolutely. Um, and absolutely. their beautiful blended family and Paris's full-on parent mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just, like, have a beautiful time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh, I actually – I had thought of a different one for Rory. And this is another another winemaker who I haven't met but just really like her wines. Um, Ingrid Groys is an Austrian winemaker. Ooh. And um and she's super awesome. Or I don't know how she is as a person. I've never met her. But um but her wines are amazing. She makes like Gruner Veltliner. Uh, she makes an awesome rose. She makes Rory a, is a chilled wine girl. Yeah. Like I definitely think Rory's like a like a glass of white wine. Like she just goes home, pours whatever's in the fridge in her glass and um and enjoys it. So I think that's I think that's a good one for Rory. She also makes Ingrid Groys makes a wine called and I'm gonna butcher this. Sorry, anyone who speaks German, uh, Satz, which is a field blend. So it's like it's like a blend of like 16 different kinds of grapes oh. or something, and it's really good. It's just like a really crisp, clean white wine, and it's not that expensive. So I think that's what Rory would drink. I bet that's her favorite. She and Paris get it from the local shop. And when she goes and it's not there, she like literally malfunctions. Yes. She's like, "Um, I only like one (laughs) wine. And my wife told me to pick it up and I don't know what to do. (laughs) I also think that Paris would have a meltdown if her, her favorite wine was not there for her. (laughs) They're both the customer who just like glitches out and then is like, help and you're like get a Gewurztraminer and they're like I don't know if I can and you're like you can do it you can do it and you'll like it too (laughs) and then they come back and they're like you were so right yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely I love that I love that um okay who else I mean there's all sorts of other incidental characters I feel like we, we I mean we touched on it but but um Luke really is also a standout character like he's just the best um he's kind of the dream in a lot of ways yeah and um, and but he would just drink beer he wouldn't drink wine I don't you think. know I was going to say my I was going to be like and we can both agree he would never drink wine yeah. but you know yeah. what I think like in his 50s he might be one of those guys who gets like really into Tempranillo oh yeah absolutely actually you're totally right. It would definitely be Tempranillo. <laughs> and That's he's it. just – there's such a type for that. And he just yeah. comes in and yeah. he looks like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's like, do you have any Tempranillo? And you're like, um, yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. Winston's going to appreciate this because he is a Tempranillo man himself. Um. You are so lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To have They're a Tempranillo good. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to have a Tempranillo man. It's the dream. But yes, I think you're totally right. Um, I feel like Jess, especially when he's in like his his poetry phase, would be into like super obscure. He'd be that guy who like 
only wants the natural orange mm-hmm. wines and stuff. But he'd like, you know, he's like really into Valdegui, which is a random <laughs> hipster grape, <laughs> which is really good. I, I really like Valdegui's, but um, but I don't you know, know if I've ever had one, but I will keep an eye out. There's only a few, but or or the only a few I've seen. Um, I don't know if you've ever gotten Martin Woods wines. He's an Oregon no. winemaker. Um, he makes a Valdegui. I think. No, I'm conf- maybe he does. He makes a Gamay. Gamay and Valdegui have some similarities. They're they're oh, kind of love Gamay. Yeah. Love Gamay. Love Gamay. Ooh. When Jess grows up, he'll be really into Gamay. Yes, yes. And he's into like crew Beaujolais. And like he want he like definitely explains to everybody that Beaujolais is not Beaujolais Nouveau. Our Beaujolais <laughs> king. He's out there like turning around and like the salesperson is like, oh Beaujolais, we have this great, like really cool release. And he's like that's so cool. You also have all of these other Beaujolais. I'm not sure if you noticed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that aren't that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, do you have any Lapierre? Um, <laughs> he knows He knows all the producers. He's. <laughs> I love that for him. Logan, obviously, like I think it's even in the, the show, like Logan obviously was raised to drink like the fanciest Bordeaux's and um, – and like he's Budweiser and Bordeaux. That's his. Yeah. Name. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is kind of his thing. Budweiser and Bordeaux. I love it. Um, Dean, I'm not sure, appreciates wine very much. Um, he gets peach Moscato from Costco. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely does. Oh, and I mentioned this in a text to you earlier, but I am actually drinking a Riesling. Um it's also, I appreciate, it's really good. It's from a producer called Von Winning. And so it's called The Winnings Riesling. Ooh. It's really good. It's a dry Riesling from Germany. It's not that mm-hmm. expensive. Um, and I think that Kirk would like it. I think it's a, it's a Kirk wine. <laughs> I love for Kirk that he just like will be really into dry Rieslings, but I think that he will tragically fall in love and date and, and fall in love with and date a woman who is like, only into sweet wine. And so he'll just like, they'll be the Riesling people and it'll be so cute. And they'll always expect a restaurant to have both. I think that works because he ends up with Lulu. And I think Mm -hmm. that Lulu, who is adorable, but would probably just drink sweet Riesling. Like Um, with Sprite in it. Yes, definitely. And um, yeah. And like for a second there, Kirk was like, really getting into into nice wine but then he was like oh well I love her so we'll just drink whatever she wants yes and he finds like a medium sweet that he really likes and then she can cut it with Sprite and then they like enjoy yes he gets like a nice semi-sweet yes Ooh, I bet he'd like the Kung Fu Girl Riesling from Washington yes if you haven't had that that's another one of my favorites it's um Charles Smith who's um I mean he literally looks like a rock star but he he makes awesome wines in Washington and the Kung Fu Girl is one of my favorites. It's like ever so slightly off dry but it's not like sweet. So yeah. and it's like $12 a bottle usually. So it's a it's a really good one. It's great with like spicy Thai food and stuff like oh, that. Oh yes. Yeah. That's a that's a really good one. Um okay, who else? Who else? I mean, I don't really care about most of Lorelai's boyfriends. I I do have fondness for Max Medina. I think he's Max a, Medina. Obviously, is yeah. a Spanish wine drinker. Yeah. Like it's oh, not... absolutely, 
Absolutely. He's another temper neo man. <laughs> oh, he's a temper neo man, but he's really into female winemakers. Yeah. <laughs> he's like really into it. He really wants to support female winemakers. Yes. And they love his support. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Absolutely. I just w- I just want to say like I hope Max Medina is happy wherever he is. They I like to think he's with a female winemaker. Well, I think they have him move to California. I think he like moves to Stanford or he mm. like ends up working at Stanford or something. So he could totally be dating or marrying married a female winemaker in like Napa. Yeah. Oh, I bet he's really into Santa Barbara wines. Oh, absolutely. Like, and it's so sweet. He so he loves Angela Osborne because she makes she makes wine in Santa Barbara. So there we go. There we go. Uh, he and Angela, Suki, if you're listening, that's your man. Yeah, he and Suki and uh, Angela secretly meet up and don't tell Lorelai about it. Yes, because <laughs> Lorelai is so toxic. She would not be able to handle that. Yeah, she really does Max dirty. She really does Max dirty. She really does. Yeah. Like, she should never have agreed to marry him, but then she did and left him at the altar, essentially. So, uh, Mm -hmm. not great. Not great. Yeah, example number one of her being super selfish. You've now, like, got me on this this bandwagon. We're going to have to do a part two. (laughs) Yeah. And a part three for a year in the life. Yes, yes. Okay, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to um, that you want to mention before we wrap up because we have I think there is one more thing I want to touch on which yeah, yeah what do you think is the wine that Rory and her grandfather share ooh that's a good one oh yeah we haven't really talked about Richard it's got to be something with a story like I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think it's like the greatest or the fanciest wine in the world um, like, I think Richard has those wines because he knows, like, those are the ones that he should have. But I feel like, you know, they went on a road trip one time and found this, like, really cool niche little wine somewhere or something. I think that's true. But I also think that when they go on a road trip to this winery, Rory thinks it's all random and it's so sweet. And then he like puts on his wellies and they're in the shit in this vineyard and they go into the cellar and she's like, this is so cool. He's being so chill. And he picks up a bottle and it's from the year she was born and it has her name on it and he reserved it. Okay. And they've yeah, been selling right. it ever since. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Right. <laughs> super sweet. <laughs> and they drink it together and I think it's probably not even good. But it's beautiful yeah. and delicious and wonderful. Actually, that is, that is what it is, 100%. You know, like, a lot of people, like, will buy a bottle of really fancy champagne and put it aside from the year that their kid is born and put it aside. And then by the time they have it, it's, like, not good anymore. Mm-hmm. That's 100% the situation but it's but it's still the sweetest thing and yes. um and you can't help but love it yeah and they end up just drinking budweiser's at this roadhouse cafe definitely definitely yeah i i love that i love that <laughs> and um and yeah like richard is also a character who has many flaws but mm-hmm. i do think that richard also has some really nice growth throughout the series i don't think he gets quite the attention that Emily gets, you know, which is correct because he's not a Gilmore yes. girl. But um, no. 
but I think there's a lot of sweetness and a lot of him trying to overcome his own biases over the course of the series and um and he has some really nice moments of doing that yes I would agree yeah 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 I mean I feel like we could definitely do a part two and Mm -hmm. um there's there's lots more to talk about but I think we did a good job of like hitting what is nice about the show and also what is problematic yes I agree and there's there's lots more of both to talk about but I think we I think we uh we got some we got some good hot takes in. <laughs> do you have do you have any other hot takes that you need to get out before? Not at this moment. I will say okay. if any of our millions of fans yes. have the need for a part 2 or yes. like a deep dive into the year in life, mm-hmm. let us know. Absolutely. We could also um we could do like a like a a, a viewing on Patreon or something <sighs> since we're now good. Since we're now so good at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're professionals and yes. we could do a Gilmore, we could do a year in the life breakdown. We're ready. Yes, absolutely. Actually, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I would be. So yes, because I do, I, there are parts of it that I do really enjoy. I know it was generally not received well, but um, there are parts of it that I really, really liked. I went to a Luke's coffee shop pop up. <gasps> oh my God, I'm so jealous. It was amazing. That's amazing. I want to go to there. I know they have them. I know they have them around. Like, I know there's, mm-hmm. like, I think there's one. Obviously, Stars Hollow doesn't actually exist. But I think. Sure. Um, just in our hearts. Just in our mm-hmm. hearts. Like, I think, because they, they filmed the whole show in L.A. I think, so I think there's, like, a Luke's in L.A., maybe. Or, like, a place where you can go take a picture. Ooh, I, I think, love that. I think. I'm not sure. Oh yeah. This might be too much. This might be too much to to unpack, but um but I'm I'm just curious. How do you feel about the whole April store storyline? That is a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack. What I will say is I always think I'm going to hate it the whole like you have a kid that you didn't know mm-hmm. about. But I think the girl who plays April is charming enough and the way yeah. they build that relationship is really sweet. And um, an interesting, like, dealing with that kind of situation. Um, it feels very soap opera-y, like, on paper. But mm-hmm. I think it's actually handled pretty well, is what I, I actually, will say. Yeah. I think April, April is great and just, like, another yeah. representation of how Lorelai is a monster. Yeah. <laughs> who is so selfish and horrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that whole thing. Because that's how, that's what breaks. Because it, because... It feels like they introduced the April thing to break Lorelai and Luke up so that they had mm-hmm. more conflict for the next season. And it wasn't just like I would have just been happy to see them like have a mixed family kind of yes. situation. Though what I will say for Lorelai is that in I, I do think with April, she really she does make an effort and wants to have a relationship yeah. with her. And Luke is not ready for that. And Luke is not great yeah. at communicating that. So that's that's the issue there. However, I don't think that would have broken them up. I don't. I think it's something that they would have worked through. But again, Oh, man, when is Hollywood going to call me to write all their TV shows for them? (laughs) I mean, they need a script doctor. Yeah, really, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) 
Before I get off on more tangents, um, Brooke, thank you so much. I love this show. I love to uh, talk about it and to criticize it. To to (laughs) critique it. I'm sorry. Yes, to critique it. To critique it lovingly. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, this was super fun. It was great to get your takes. Um, For our listeners who don't know... Where can they find you and the work you've done? So, hi guys. My name is Brooke Jeanette. Not um, Je- not I... Jen or what? How did I say it? Janet. <laughs> you said it right, but you I just, said it like, right. Said but it then like I short. <laughs> but then I but then I like second guessed myself. Yeah. Some people think it's Janet. <laughs> However, you want to say it. Janet. That sounds like that it. sounds like a, a winemaker. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I when I become a winemaker, that's yes. what I'll change my name to. But yes. Yes. I am part of a four person creative team that makes the horror podcast Thirteen. You can find us at Pod Thirteen everywhere. You can also hear my voice in Olive Hill, our first work. And, um, you know, I'm out there. I'm around. If you want to follow me personally, you can check out Brooke Jeanette um, or at Oats underscore Magoats on Twitter. Yes. I love it. I love it. I highly recommend following Brooke on all platforms. And I'm very funny. And 13 as well. Yes, it's true. Um, Thank you so much. This was such a blast. Um, It's always fun to drink wine and talk entertainment with you. So um, we'll have to do it again soon. I agree. Absolutely. Well, until then, cheers. Justice for Lane. (laughs) Justice for Lane. Justice for Lane. That's going to be the title of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Scherzarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Scherzarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine. <laughs>